0: So as we've been doing for the last several weeks, and we will continue to do, we are going to take our study of 1 John very slowly. We believe that it's important to take the Word of God slowly and not miss a thing. And too often we rush through the Word of God and we miss some amazing things. And so we're going to try to keep slowing down and moving very slowly, steadily, and deliberately through the letter of 1 John. John the Apostle wrote this letter to solidify the recipients in their faith. As he tells us in chapter 2, there are now many antichrists in the world. There is much false doctrine and false teaching being propagated even some 30 to 40 years after Jesus was on earth. And now, obviously, a couple thousand years later, that's even more true. And so it makes it even more uh, relevant, I think, for us to make sure that we know the message of 1 John and that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are solidified in our faith as well. In the first four verses, I will quickly sort of give a, a summary of what we've been talking about here. John relates to us that he, along with many others, are first-hand eyewitnesses who have a very intimate acquaintance with Jesus Christ. And everything that they are passing on to us, to others, they received right from the source, right from Jesus Himself. And that's one of the reasons why you and I can have confidence in what we believe and who we even know Jesus to be because our faith can be traced back to even the faith and the testimony and the witness of the apostles. And then John says it was through our relationship with Jesus Christ that we uh, heard about the word of life and that Jesus came to express and embody this life from God that God offers to human beings. And we have seen that this life that John and Jesus even talked about to his followers is not a quantity of life, it is the highest quality of life that we as human beings can have on this side of glory. Now John goes on to say in those first four verses, but in order for us to experience this highest quality of life, we must be in fellowship with God And with God's people, our brothers and sisters in Christ. John says, there is no way that we can experience this highest quality of life apart from remaining in fellowship with our brothers and sisters and with God. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how do we stay then in fellowship with God. And we talked about what does it mean to fellowship. It's a word that we as Christians use a lot, but do we really understand the meaning? And it's the Greek word koinonia, and it means a sharing, a partnership, a participation in things in common. It it is a close connection, if you will, with one another, And John says that's the only way that we can experience the highest quality of life is when we uh, remain in close connection with God and close connection with each other. That's what fellowship is all about. And then last week we ended when we saw that John says, and when you and I are in this kind of fellowship, When we are in close connection with God and close connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in verse 4 he says, this will result in our joy. That's one of the great byproducts of fellowship is joy. And so we determine that one of the reasons why a lot of Christians today, at least those who profess Christ, are joyless and, and are not experiencing joy in their life is because in some way they are out of fellowship with God or with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we have seen how important then fellowship is. Now, beginning in verse 5, John is going to remind us that there are requirements to remaining in fellowship or being in fellowship with God. And really with each other as well. There is only one, if you will, requirement to being in a relationship with God. That is simply to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, if you and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and by faith we fully uh, accept what He has done for us to bring us into a right relationship with God, then we are saved. And then we have a relationship with God. We are born again, born from above placed into the family of God, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, and we have a relationship with God. But John is saying that there is a difference, there is a distinction between having a relationship with God and having fellowship with God. It's sort of the same distinction that, that I talk about in my devotional about how there's a distinction and difference between being a Christian, being a, you know someone who is saved, and a disciple of Jesus Christ, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. Well, there's the same thing with, there's a difference between having a relationship with God and being in fellowship with God. And I'll say this at this point. Many Christians claim uh, promises of God made in the Word of God for themselves based on simply having a relationship with God. And not that there aren't any, you know, blessings and and favors and promises given just to the children, just, just being in relationship. But there are many more blessings and favor and promises given to those who are in fellowship with God. And where then many Christians, I guess, get disillusioned is... They say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not experiencing what God has promised. Well, maybe the reason is because you may be a Christian, you may have a relationship with God, but if you're not in fellowship with God, you won't be experiencing those said things. So we have to make sure that as we read the Bible, and we study it, and we interpret it, that we're getting it correctly. And we make sure that the things that we maybe are applying to ourselves, truly apply to us. And one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, are we in fellowship with God? How do we get into fellowship with God? How do we remain in fellowship with God? John tells us, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 1, it's by living or walking in the light which is God. Look with me. At verse 5 of chapter 1. Now this is the gospel message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The phrase in the Net Bible, gospel message, is actually one word in the Greek language and it's used only twice in the New Testament. Once here in First John one five, and then if you'll turn over to First John three verse eleven for just a moment, you'll see the only other time this word is used in the New Testament. John writes in First John three eleven, for this is the gospel message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Again, those two words translated in the net gospel message is one word in the Greek language. And what that word means is it is a precept or principle that has been declared to us and that now we're making known to you. And if you'll notice back in 1 John 1, 5, John tells us that this precept or principle that we have been given by Jesus, the Word of Life, we heard directly from Him. Now before we get into the whole God is light thing tonight, this again is important for us to be reminded of because it's one of those ways that you and I solidify our faith and build confidence in our Christian life. And John reveals it to us here when he says, I'm sharing this with you in confidence because I got it directly from him. I learned this from listening to Jesus Christ when I, like many others, were His disciples, His followers, and we heard Him teach, and we we followed Him, and we heard the things that He did. We listened to Him. And so I'm getting this directly from Him, you see. That makes a big difference. Now, you and I today, Though we may not be able to do exactly like John, where we can, in a sense, physically follow Jesus, you see. Yet, we can have the same confidence when we hear from Him. When we listen to Jesus speak to us, through His Word, or through His Spirit, and therefore, too, the things that we pass along to others, we can be very sure about and we can be very confident about because just like John, we can say, I got this from him. It's one of the reasons that I share the way I do on Wednesdays and Sundays because I'm not up here speaking confidently because Jeff Royce somehow has confidence in my own abilities or... Or, or my own study habits even, or whatever. But when I stand before you, I feel like I'm sharing a message to you that I was given from Him, you see. And every one of us who knows Jesus as our personal Savior, and we follow Jesus, we can have that same experience. When we sit down to the Word of God and we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher, what did Jesus say? I'm giving you the Holy Spirit because He will lead you and guide you into all truth. You have the anointing, John says later on in 1 John. Paul says to the Corinthians that you and I as Christians, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, literally can have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I believe verse 25 or 26. So we can get things from Him. And then we can obviously solidify our own relationship with that and then notice, then we can and should share it with others because notice what John says in verse 5. This precept or principle that Jesus declared or announced to us that we got directly from Him, we are now announcing it to you. We are making it known to you. We are heralding it to you. We are proclaiming it to you. We're not keeping it to ourselves. One of the things, again, that we as Christians need to be mindful of and aware of is that when God teaches us, when He shares things with us, when we get things and insights into Him and His Word from Him, He never wants us to keep those to ourselves. He wants us to share those with others. And isn't that a way then even for us to have fellowship with each other? If you and I had a passion not only to receive things from God and, and get, you know, more insight into Him and, and to His Word and to His will and all of that for our own selves, but then so that we could encourage and build up others and comfort and and console, and all of that others, and share these good things that we've gained from Him with others, would that not then bring us together on a regular basis? And that's part of what John's saying here. It's just, it's sort of natural that we would share, and come together, and Share with each other what God is doing in our life and what He's teaching us and all that. That's what we as Christians should be doing on a more regular basis. And not just in what I call formal ways like Wednesday night Bible studies and Sunday services, but you and I should be living that way as brothers and sisters in Christ seven days a week, you see. And sometimes we know of those appointments and those times where we... And and sometimes it comes out of the blue. I... I had the opportunity to, that, that I did not see coming yesterday to share the word of God and some of the things that God had taught me with, with people that I had never even met. And God just sort of brought us together and said, here, Jeff, now share. Okay, <laughs> you know. So sometimes we see those opportunities coming and sometimes we don't. But God wants to fill us up with His word And he wants us to hear things from him and listen to him so that then we not only gain uh, positive things from that experience, but we're able to share it with others and announce it to others. And John says, here's the thing that I really want us to get. That our God is light. Our God is light. This is a description of of God's character of who God is. And you know, first of all, notice that John doesn't even he doesn't even think about dealing with the person who doesn't believe in God or, you know, the, the atheist or the agnostic who isn't sure there's a God. In his mind, he knows there's a God. He knows there's a God. He's confident because he has seen him. He has walked with him, you see. He has that confidence so he's not even going there. He said in the first couple verses, I saw him. I touched him. I studied him. You see. And then he says, God is light. He's telling us that, first of all, that God seeks to reveal to illuminate to manifest himself that that without that part of god we wouldn't know god or know much at all <laughs> that that it is because god wants to reveal things wants to make them manifest wants us to be uh, uh, you know given insight and and illuminated about things that, that that's that's who he is And so anything around God also, notice then, will be manifest. Everything around God and in fellowship with God will be illuminated and lit up. Because that's God. In fact, John goes on to say, there is no darkness at all in God. Not anything. God is not ever uh, needing to hide something or conceal something or hold something back from us or, or whatever because of who he is. Because there's nothing in God to hide, you see. God is perfect and he is pure and he is by his very nature and character light. And so everything that, that, you know, comes in contact with God is going to be lit up, you see. Now, what does that have to do with fellowship and with being in fellowship and remaining in fellowship with God? Well, John's going to go on to tell us. Notice he says in verse 6, If we say, if we insist, is really what the word say means, if we affirm over and over again that we have fellowship with Him, Again, remember what it means to have close connection with Him. That we, you know, God and I are buddies. We're close. It's not just a matter of relationship now. I I know of Him, or I know Him. I'm related to Him. It's, we're close. Okay? And we understand that concept. You know, we can be related to somebody, but not close to them. Okay? So that's the difference between a relationship and fellowship. So this person is claiming, I'm close to God. Now remember, John, to solidify the recipients of this letter in their faith, he's also very subtly sort of attacking some of the false doctrine and misinformation that has already been disseminated, again, even just 30 years after the Lord was on earth. And and one of those things that was going around was in a sense a sort of a compartmentalization, if you will, of our, of our spirituality or of our walk with God. In other words, people were going around saying that I, I can be close to God and yet my life doesn't have to necessarily reflect that. You see. John's going, no, 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 no. God's light. And if you're going to claim that you and God are close then that means you're going to be in His light. Because he says in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet we keep on walking in the dark, we're lying. John's pretty straightforward. He's not politically correct. He's not trying to, you know, spare anybody. He just puts puts it right out there. You can say, we can say, I can say, I can insist Me and God are close, we're in fellowship, but John says, if you're walking in darkness, can't be, because God's light. And if you and I are going to walk in close connection with God, then that means we've got to be in the light. Now, very interestingly, this word darkness here that John uses means to pull back, to withdraw, and to hide. See where John's going with this. John says, Here's the problem we have. God came to give us this eternal life, this highest quality of life. This life, the highest quality of life, is based on fellowship. Fellowship that will result in our joy. But this fellowship has requirements, it's not like relationships relationship with God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. You put your faith fully in Jesus, you're a Christian. But in order to have close connection with God, fellowship with God, that requires something. That requires that we do not withdraw, hide, retreat from the light but that we are willing to live out in the light, even though that means that you and I, by living in the light of God, because He is light, that means our life is going to be open and exposed. And all the things that need to be dealt with, they're going to be out there, you see. In other words, John is saying we've got to quit even as Christians, in order to live in fellowship with God, we've got to quit making excuses. We've got to quit rationalizing. We've got to quit justifying. We've got to quit blame shifting. And if we're going to be in fellowship with God and live in His light, we just got to let His, shine, His light shine on us and show up all the stuff. That's the only way to live in fellowship with God. If you and I retreat and and withdraw and hide and pull back, then we'll never live in close connection with God because we've always got to be willing to come into the light. Now, doesn't this concept and this idea take us all the way back to the very beginning of things in Genesis? Genesis? where when sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, what does the Bible say that they did? They did what? They hid from God. They withdrew from God. They retreated from God. They knew when they ate that fruit, they then knew God said that they were naked and they were ashamed and so they hid. And it was only because God initiated it and that God went after them. And you remember in Genesis 3, God says, where are you? Now God knew where they were. But God wanted to draw out from that, why are you hiding from me? I, you and I, we've had close fellowship. We've walked together in this garden since I created you. Now all of a sudden, you're pulling back from me. You're hiding from me. There's not this openness that there used to be. What's going on here, you see? And that's that's why this is so important, and we don't want to rush through this, because, folks, this this comes to the very essence, if you will, of our fellowship and, and even relationship with God. And experiencing the joy and the life that God wants to give us. If we don't get this, what John's talking about here, then we'll never really experience all that God has for us. And and, and too often, even as Christians, our our default, our, our first response, when we start to come out into the light and God's light starts to show up something that's not right, what do we do? Like Adam and Eve, go right out of there and go, oh no, that's uncomfortable out there. Because when you and I come into the light, it is uncomfortable. Because it exposes us for who we really are and what we really are and what we really, you know, need to deal with. But if we're not willing to live out there in God's light, then John says, then we can never have fellowship with God. We we can never maintain fellowship with God. We've got to be willing to do this. It is that important. Notice he says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When we are willing to live out in the open of God's light and be exposed to God's light, then we have fellowship. Now keep your finger there in 1 John and go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, for a moment. And let me show you what Jesus says here that goes along with what John is saying here tonight. John's Gospel, chapter 3, beginning at verse 19. Jesus says, Now this is the basis for judging. Judging that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. The word also means they won't be convicted. They won't be proven wrong. Oh my goodness. We live in a world where we as human beings, that's, that's where we're at. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody wants to say they're wrong. Nobody wants to be convicted. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Yet, as human beings, somehow we want to be close to God. We want to have fellowship with God. And we wonder why even as Christians, we have multitudes of Christians who, who in a sense are sort of spiritually so dry and, 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 and parched, if you will, and, and lacking that joy and the fulfillment and satisfaction, it's because, though God is light, I don't want to be uncomfortable. For instance, I want to go to church and I don't want to be convicted I've had people tell me that's why they don't come to the Oasis. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I I don't want to to be in a church. I want to go to church to feel good. I want to go to a church to feel good about myself. I want to go to a church or even be part of a group where we all look around at each other and go, I'm okay and you're okay and we're okay, right? Even though we're not okay. And John is saying to us here, folks, folks, no, that's not how you and I get into fellowship with God. The only way to be in fellowship with God is to be willing to be made vulnerable and to be exposed before the light of God and let Him expose us and be uncomfortable and be convicted and be shown that there are times where we're wrong. But here's the beauty. Notice verse 21. But Jesus says, but the one who practices the truth, and this same phrase is used by John, we're going to see in 1 John, comes to the light continually so that it may be plainly evident that his deeds have been done in God. Even though it might not feel good, we can come to a place where we understand that though I'm uncomfortable and I'm convicted and and, and I'm... things show up that I know I need to deal with, I'm willing to go to that light. I'm willing to live in the light of God. Because I understand, first of all, that that's the only way I can stay close to God is my my willingness to come out and be exposed. Now here's the other cool thing. You can go back to 1 John. Notice John also says this. He says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. One of the things that John is saying there is this, whatever the light of God reveals, God is able to deal with. In other words, what God is saying to us is, if we would be willing to come out into the light and let Him basically expose us, instead of withdrawing and hiding and retreating and trying to conceal what's really there and pretending like it's not really there, and trying to even, as many people do today, create an alternate reality, you know, where the reality of my life is this, but I'm going to pretend like my life is this. God says, you'll never experience life. You'll never be joyful that way. The only way to be joyful is to come out into my my light, let me expose what needs to be exposed, because I can deal with that, if you let me. And it's not so much a matter of, We have to somehow fix ourselves. What John is saying is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God can enable us to overcome and to deal with and to get victory over whatever God's light exposes in our life. That's how you and I live in victory. And that's how we live in fellowship with God. Whenever... Jeff Royce has something that needs to be dealt with. God is saying if I'm willing to come out into the light and let his light show that up to where it's like, yeah, oh my. Yeah, there's that. And God in a sense is saying so Jeff, if if you want to stay close to me, that needs to be dealt with. But here's the deal, Jeff. I'm not asking you in your own power, in your own strength, to deal with that. I'm just asking you to acknowledge that there is that there. And then you come to me and you let me fix it. You let me purge it. You let me purify your life. You let me cleanse it. Because God can do that. But only when you and I are willing to come to the light acknowledge what God's light exposes, and then turn to God and say, God, it needs to be dealt with. You deal with it. That's that's fellowship. And see, that's... That's why we even don't have very close fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because one, if we're not transparent... If we're not practicing transparency, which is really what the phrase practicing the truth means here in 1 John. If I'm not a transparent person, if, if I know there's things in my life that need to be dealt with, but I'm not willing to deal with them or I don't want to acknowledge that they need dealt with, then guess what I do even in my earthly relationships? I don't, I don't let myself out there because I, I'd rather sort of hide back here Retreat, withdraw, conceal, because what if they find out about it? What if somehow we start getting close and they really realize who I really am? So we only get so close with each other because we don't want that transparency. We always play that sort of game of cat and mouse with each other, hide and seek, And yet then we wonder and we we crave close relationships with each other, but just like with God, we don't do the things necessary that really are required to live in close connection. That's why James says in the book of James, even to us as Christians, confess your faults to one another so that you may be healed and made whole and brought together into fellowship. If you've done something, then acknowledge it. Deal with it. Get it out there. In the open. And, and, and work through it. Too many Christians today want to walk away rather than deal with anything. You see. And, and God is saying to us, obviously that's our choice. But if we continue to choose to live life that way, We will never live in close connection and true fellowship with God, and we will never truly live in close connection and true fellowship with others. We've got to be transparent. We've got to learn to practice the truth. And there's many different words... In the Greek language for truth in the New Testament, this word means not concealing. The word there at the end, the words there at the end of verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet keep on walking in the darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. We're not practicing transparency. We're not exemplifying transparency in our lives. We're concealing and hiding. You see. But I love the fact that this isn't left by John or even by God to be a negative message. It's actually to be a very positive message. When John says, but if you and I walk in the light, let's remember that the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death of Christ, sets us up to be able to be cleansed. And Jesus talked a lot about cleansing to his own followers. He said in John 15:3, you are being cleaned by the word that I speak to you. How do we get cleansed? How do we get purged and purified? Through the word of God. What does Paul say in Ephesians 5:27? That the church is sanctified by the washing of water by the what? The word. That's why when Jesus washed his disciples' feet and Peter was you know, debating it and finally Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter said, well then wash all of me. And Jesus said, I don't need to wash all of you. You're clean already in that sense, but because of your you know, walking through this earth, you need to have your feet washed to stay in fellowship with me. If you don't let me wash your feet, if if you don't if you don't come to me for this cleansing that you need on an ongoing basis, then the close connection and fellowship that we could have will be broken and never be regained. Which is why next week we're gonna look at again more of than what is our responsibility, what needs to be our response? when it comes to this so important aspect of fellowship with God and fellowship with others. Because we, I truly believe God created us for close connection. That's how God created us. And that's part of the problem we have in the world today and will continue to have, is that though God created us for close connection with Him and with one another, very, very few times do we live there. And then wonder why we don't experience that abundant life and have the joy of the Lord that we should have. Because John says, well, that only results from fellowship. Fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Now, in just a few moments we have to close, I wanted to close with this tonight. Many of you may think that this concept of Close fellowship and living in God's presence and having requirements for that is maybe a New Testament concept and not something that you find in the Old Testament, but that's not true. Please turn with me in closing tonight to Psalm 15. This is just one of the examples that I could have turned to in the Old Testament, but Psalm 15. And notice what David writes here in Psalm 15. He says, Lord, who may be a guest in your home? The language there in the Hebrew, again, isn't speaking so much about relationship as it is fellowship, close connection. Who may live on your holy hill? Notice now the requirements. Whoever lives a blameless life, does what is right and speaks honestly. One who does not slander and does no harm to others or insults his neighbor. One who despises a reprobate but honors the Lord's loyal followers. He makes firm commitments and does not renege on his promise. He does not charge interest when he lends his money. He does not take bribes to testify against the innocent. The one who lives like this will never be upended, shaken. Now, someone wrote a book. And in this book, I wanted to read to you my comments on Psalm 15. Because I had actually forgotten about these comments, and I, I remembered then, or had God remind me how closely my thoughts of Psalm 15 went along with what we looked about here in 1 John chapter 1 tonight. I entitled Psalm 15, Conditions of Fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is not a casual affair. It is something that is very intentional and should always be taken seriously. So in this Song of David, he reveals to us habitual life patterns that keep us in communion and on the same page with God. The language of verse 1 describes someone who has settled down, who is able to rest and relax in one's presence. The kind of proper comfortableness can only come about by becoming more and more familiar and acquainted with someone or something. So beginning in verse 2, the psalmist begins to describe the habits, the norms of one's life that keep us close to God. Also, we must always remember if we feel distant from God, it is not because He walked away from us, but we have walked away from Him. This is why James says in 4.8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. In Psalm 15:2, the word blameless speaks of integrity and an overall consistency in one's life, not perfection. As we sometimes describe it, our walk should match our talk. Doing what is right and speaking honestly, what is sure, reliable, dependable, speaks for itself. A slanderer here is one who spies out others, seeking information to traffic along to someone else. The word harm that is used here literally refers to the deep hurt that a friend or favored, trusted companion can cause. It is reserved for those close, intimate relationships. In verse 4, if we want to stay in fellowship with God, we need to learn to devalue what God despises and give great weight and worth to what God is blessing. This verse also gives emphasis to being true to our word. We need to not break, change, or alter what we have promised, even if it hurts. Verse 5 prop reminds us that people and relationships should be more important to us than money. When we strive to integrate our relationships with God into every area of our lives, we will experience a growing partnership with God. In fact, the psalmist ends with a great promise. One who is in fellowship with God will never be upended. The word means shaken, moved, or overthrown. What stability is born out of our continual communion with God? This reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, but it did not collapse because it had been founded on rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, and it collapsed. It was utterly destroyed. The wisest thing we can do in life is stay in close communion with God. Stay on the rock. One other thing before I close in prayer. If you look back at 1 John, I want you to see this before next week, and we'll talk more about it when we pick it up here next week. Notice something very important in verse 7. John says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The important distinction I want you to see there in that verse is this. He doesn't say that we need to walk according to the light. That would mean we'd have to be perfect to be in fellowship with God. None of us will ever be able to walk according to the light all the time. What John is saying is, I just have to be willing to walk in the light. Just to walk out into the light that is God. Let Him show up. What is there? What is the reality of my life? What needs to be dealt with? What needs to be taken care of? What needs to be changed? What needs to be exposed? And then Honestly, stand before God and instead of retreating and withdrawing and hiding like Adam and Eve did, just say, God, you're right. It's there. I don't want to hide it anymore. I don't want to conceal it anymore. And I need you to to help me to overcome that. I need you to help me to change that. I, I need you to cleanse me. I need you to purge that out of my life. I need you to purify me. And when we do that, God promises, John says, that He will. He will cleanse us. And then we can remain in fellowship with God. That's what fellowship with God is based on. May you and I, based upon the truth of God's Word, desire more than ever to be those who not only have a relationship with God, but those who want to live in fellowship with God and in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. God, we understand that to live in Your light means at times... Great illumination and insight. Understanding and comprehension that we could never have if we walked in darkness. It's one of the byproducts that you give to those who are wise and live in your light. But we also know, God, that as human beings, who will sin and who will fail, that living in your light means that When we do wrong, and when there's something wrong, God, it's going to be exposed. It's going to be shown for what it really is. And that's when we have the choice. We either have the choice to withdraw and retreat and hide and conceal and justify and rationalize and blame shift and go through all that. Or we can just agree with you that you're right, God. It's there. And God, I need you to help me to overcome that, God. I need your cleansing. I need you to purge it out of my life. Or I need you to bring it into my life, God, on a consistent basis. Lord, thank you that you are a God that You are light and you want us as your followers and those who fellowship with you to live in that light. But whatever your light exposes, help us to realize that you're able to deal with it. And that you want to deal with it. As long as we're willing to bring it out. So God... Help our hearts tonight, even as we sang tonight, to be surrendered to you. When we think of surrendering all to you, may we see that even in the context of coming into your light and being exposed. So that, Lord, we can actually make progress and overcome and See victory rather than continue to live in defeat and discouragement and even denial. God, go with us tonight. May your word just penetrate and capture our hearts tonight, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, real quick, don't forget Sunday special service here at the Oasis. Bilingual service with Pastor Olachea. Chea. Big potluck here in the cafeteria. Thank you all for coming. See you next week.